I can't uh, think of a better way I'd like to uh, come up and share God's Word this morning than uh, being preceded by such amazing worship and music. And it is good to be in God's house this morning. Uh, as Tony mentioned, uh, my name is Daniel Riddick and uh, from Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, Tony's my uncle. And we were uh, emailing back and forth probably a little over a month ago. And uh, he uh, kind of extended the invitation. Thank you for that, Tony. And it worked out. We were able to get over here. And I'm on staff at Trinity Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Great ministry in Jacksonville. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us. And uh, I have uh, great roots here to Mississippi. It is good to be back in Mississippi. Uh, when you get over in Jacksonville, it's harder, it seems like, to, uh, to make my way back over here. But last night, I had uh, Barks Root Beer in the bottle. And uh, I had my Mama's Gumbo. And so it is good to be in Mississippi. That's all I've got to say. Um, I was born in Ocean Springs and uh, grew up in the panhandle of Florida. So uh, we made, we were over here all the time. I believe actually the last time I was here was probably about seven years ago. I had the chance to speak in your youth ministry. And this was before the auditorium was uh, completely finished. You guys were under construction still. But it is good to be here this morning. And uh, my wife is here, Jen. She's right there. And uh, we have, uh, along with a lot of my parents are here, my mom, all of our family that lives here, they're here as well. Uh, my wife and I have two uh, beautiful children. I think they've got a picture of them. Um, I know. I know exactly what you're thinking. They're, those are the two cutest kids you've ever seen. And uh, you're right. They are. And uh, that is Brayden. He's uh, three years old. And our little girl, Lainey, she is seven months old. And I guess they're in the nursery. So they're not very good nursery kids. So I apologize to the nursery workers. They've just never been all about the nursery, even at our church. So, uh, but it is good to be here. Growing up, I kind of was a Saints fan. Uh, followed the Saints on TV. And if you're on the Gulf Coast, I guess that's the team you root for. Uh, been in Jacksonville for about eight years. And so, you know, you kind of have to... Get on board with the home team, and it's fine because the Saints and Jaguars very rarely play, uh, except they do this year in Jacksonville, Saints versus Jaguars. So I'm going to be really torn and conflicted inside, uh, but I am glad to be here. Here's what I want to do. If you want to, go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And before we jump into the text, uh, my prayer this morning is that I can be... Uh, both an encouragement to you as a local church and also a challenge uh, from the Word of God to everyone in this room. Uh, that is my prayer. That is what I've been praying for is that I can be an encouragement uh, and God's Word will be a challenge. Before we get into the text, I want to share with you just a couple things I'm really passionate about. Uh, one is I am passionate about the local church. And uh, to the point that I've given my life vocationally to serve in one. And um, I have the opportunity uh, to work in a local church. I teach uh, a senior guys Sunday school class. I work in youth ministry. I get a chance to speak to youth uh, regularly. And uh, what I want to let you know about is you can be encouraged because God is doing great things right now, both here in this city. I, got, I had a chance to pray with your deacons this morning. And I mean, before we even got into the prayer, it was just item after item of all God is doing in this local church. And it's amazing to me. And I was encouraged. But when you're in one location for a long period of time, sometimes you don't realize these are the kinds of things that I'm telling you are happening 
all over the country and all over the world. You should be encouraged and be passionate about the local church because Jesus was. Uh, We just had 18 members of our church come back last week. In, uh, they were in Guyana, South America, in the jungle. And what was awesome to me was that trip was so diverse. We had teenagers and we had uh, uh, older members of our church and everything in between serving uh, tribes in Guyana. And I uh, know you guys sent a trip off this morning to Moldova. And I'm just telling you, I want you to know this and I want you to understand God is doing big things with the local church. There is a, uh, I think there is a um, kind of a, uh, there's a surge of church planning that is happening right now in our country and around the world. There are revivals, God is at work, there are revivals taking place in, co- in continents like Asia and Africa and South America. I know Tony has talked to me several times about the work you guys are doing in Brazil. And I want you to know this, God is at work, and I'm passionate about it, Jesus is passionate about it, the local church. Be encouraged, God is working. The second thing I'm passionate about is the next generation. Uh, Like I mentioned, I have the opportunity to speak uh, fairly often, at least once or twice a month, to teenagers or singles and college students, and I'm passionate about the next generation. Generation, And I know some of that age group is in here this morning. And I think there is so much opportunity. And I sometimes get a chance to see what God is doing through this next generation. And it's amazing to me. Uh, you may not realize this. If you were born between the ages of 1980 and the year 2000. 1980 and the year 2000, which I was. Uh, you are part of a generation called the Millennials. And here's what you should know about that. This is, in the history of the United States, the largest generation in our country's history. There are more young people under the age of 30 in this country than any other age group. And I believe that group is going to be a force for the cause of Christ in the years ahead. And I'm passionate about what I see young people. Young people today are growing up and I'm telling you they want to give their lives to something big. And many of them are. And it is awesome to see what God is doing through the next generation. Technology and communication are uh, influencing and creating a platform for people that have never existed in the history of humanity. Think about that. Some of you post what you're having for lunch on Facebook. And you're connecting with more people than some people just a few years ago ever spoke with in their entire life. That's pretty awesome. We have great opportunity. The local church has great opportunity for the cause of Christ. I believe the next generation, God is doing amazing things. And I want to talk to you this morning out of Luke chapter 9 about the foundation of that opportunity. God is doing all these things in our churches and around us. And I believe it all begins somewhere. And it begins, I ultimately believe, and we'll look at this out of the passage, out of a relationship or a connection with Jesus Christ. A relationship or connection with Jesus. Do me a favor, pull out your cell phone real quick. I saw a sign that said cell phone's off. Pull out your cell phone real fast. If you've got them, go ahead and pull it out, it's fine. This is the one time that, uh, pull out your cell phone. If you're like me, I've got a cell phone right here. And uh, in the top left or right corner, if you've got your cell phone, most of you... If you look in the top left or right corner, there are some kind of stair-stepping bars. And uh, if you're like, I'm with AT&T, my bars are always very low. And uh, I have bad connection. 
So hopefully you guys have a better service provider. There's some stair-stepping bars on your phone. And um, what that represents is the strength of your connection to the source of power. Think about that. You look at your cell phone and it's either good or it's bad or somewhere in between. And it represents the strength of your connection to the source of power. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about this morning. Is how to be plugged in and strengthened in our relationship and connect with Jesus Christ. You can go ahead and put your cell phones away if you want to. Unless you're using it to read uh, scripture on. I know some of you guys, angry birds would be too much of a temptation for in the middle of the, uh, in the service. Here's what we're going to look at this morning. Luke chapter 9. Let's read this passage. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. <clears throat> Let me tell you what's amazing about this verse. And it helps me to think about this and it may help you to think about it. What we are about to read are the words of Jesus. Alright, think about that for a second. We are about to read... The words of Jesus. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And he, that's Jesus, said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Look at verse 23 again. And he said to all, and he starts it out in a great way, if anyone, that's really good, because anyone is everybody in here this morning, regardless of your economic status or your race or your social status or whatever label you want to put on yourself, Jesus says, I'm about to give a word to anyone. That's all of us. That is everyone. And he says, if you want to come after me or connect with me, sometimes we use the word discipleship, become a disciple of me. I'm going to introduce to you three ideas of what it means to be strengthened in our connection with Jesus. The first thing he says is he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Himself. If you write in your Bibles or you're taking notes, I've written down here, and this will be my first point, I've written the word surrender down. Surrender. Jesus kind of comes out of the gate swinging here a little bit, and he doesn't pull any punches, and maybe he delivers the most challenging and the most convicting part of this entire verse right off the bat. He says, will you connect with me? And if the answer is yes, then you will Deny yourself. You will surrender yourself. Now, if you're like me, that is a challenge. And here's the reason why. Everything, just about everything around me is telling me that I am the most important thing. The media that I listen to says it's about me. The entertainment, uh, my relationships... Our jobs, all of these things are trying to tell us you are the most important thing. And at the end of the day, you are what matters. And Jesus comes in and he flips the script real fast. And he says, you want to connect with me? Deny yourself. Surrender. Surrender. That's a hard saying. 
And I was thinking about this and I thought, what does that look like in my life? What is surrender? And maybe it's easier this morning to think about what surrender is not. And you may be asking yourself, what is surrender? And here's what it is. It is the opposite of idolatry. Surrender is the opposite of idolatry. Here's the reality for all of us and myself included. We create idols in our life when we take something that is temporary and we make it ultimate. We create idols in our life when we take something that is temporary. You can fill in the blank with whatever that is for you. And we make it ultimate. For Christians and in Christians that are here in this room this morning, you've probably heard this before, the idea of idols and idolatry. If you've been in church for any length of time, it's somewhat of a recurring theme. This may not shake you too much. And it's easy to look at things like money and sex and power. And we know those are idols. And we feel good about ourselves maybe because we feel like, you know what? Those are not the things that I struggle with. But the reality is, even good things can become idols when they're put in the place of the ultimate thing, Jesus. Even good things can become idols when they're put in the place of ultimate things, Jesus. Tim Keller, who is a pastor and author up in New York City, he discovered this as a pastor. He discovered this struggle in his own life and described it this way. In his blog, I'll read you this quote. He says, it wasn't, it wasn't until I began to search my heart with the biblical category of idolatry that I made the horrendous discovery that all of my supposed sacrifices were just a series of selfish actions. I was using people in order to forge my own self-appreciation. I was looking to my sacrificial ministry to give me the sense of righteousness before God. That should only come from Jesus Christ. People make idols out of money, power, accomplishment, or moral excellence. They look to these things to save them. To give them a sense of purity and value and acceptability that only Jesus can give. In my case, and Tim is writing, he says, I was using ministry. That's good. But he was using ministry and his own people as an idol. Without the category of idolatry, a good thing turned into a pseudo-salvation, I would never have been able to see myself. Nothing but the concept of counterfeit gods could have blasted me out of my illusion of virtue and superiority. Some of us really are struggling with big issues in our life like money or sex or power or careers or whatever. And we realize we have put those blatantly in a position of authority in our life and they're replacing Jesus. Others of us, and maybe those of us that have been in church for a while, we have put maybe good things selfishly in the place of Jesus. And Jesus says, I don't care what it is, the first thing you've got to do to connect with me is deny yourself. If you do a quick study of the New Testament and you read uh, the Greek word for deny, you'll discover that in the, t- in the New Testament only two people are ever denied. And I think it's very appropriate as Jesus closes out this part of the verse, only two people are ever denied in the New Testament. One of those, famously, is Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times. And throughout the New Testament, you'll see verses like, if you deny me, Jesus has been denied. 
The only other person when it talks about denial in the New Testament is ourselves. Either we should be denied. And appropriately, Jesus calls us to that decision this morning. He says, will you connect with me? You've got two choices. You deny me or you deny yourself. And again, maybe this is the heaviest and the weightiest point right out of the bat, but this is how Jesus leads into the discussion of what it means to connect with him. First of all, we must surrender. We must surrender. Secondly, let's continue the verse. Look at Luke 9 and verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone, that's all of us, good news, would come after me, let him deny himself, surrender, and take up his cross daily and follow me. And take up his cross daily and follow me. If you're taking notes, I wrote next to this in my notes, I wrote the word mission. I wrote the word mission. The first thing he says is if you want to connect with me, you'll surrender. The second thing he says is if you want to connect with me, you'll acknowledge the mission or the plan that I have for you. See, ultimately, in the New Testament, ultimately, the mission or the plan of God for Jesus was the cross. And so when Jesus presents this to us this morning, and he says, if you would like to connect with me, take up the cross, what he is saying is, is embrace the mission that God has for you. And then he qualifies it. And this is important, and I don't want you to lose sight of this. He says, take up that mission daily. Not once, not years ago, not in the future. He says, join me on mission daily. So the question is, what does that look like for us today? On Monday afternoon, uh, Jen and I with our kids, we have some friends of ours, and uh, they have a boat, and we've got some ski lakes pretty close to our campus, and we decided to go out for an evening Monday night uh, on the lake and just let the kids swim. And uh, he is a big-time wakeboarder, all right? And if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like water skiing. You've only got one ski. You're being pulled behind a boat. He's a big-time wakeboarder, and I had never done that before. And I thought, you know what? This is my time. You know, I'm here. I'm out here. It's cool. The kids are playing. And he said, Dan, just, just strap this thing on and go for it. And I was like, you know what? All right, I'm going to do it. And I put on the wakeboard Monday afternoon, and I'm floating out in the middle of the lake, and I've got a hold of the thing. And he kind of told me, he said, now, don't get frustrated. He said, a lot of times it takes people, you know, 10 or even 20 times before they can even get up, you know, and start skiing. And I was like, man, okay, well, if that's the way it's got to be. So I said, let's go for it. You know, so I'm out there. First time, boom, crash and burn. You know, just flew right forward. And uh, second time, didn't make it. Third time, I kind of got up, but I fell immediately. And all of a sudden, I had this kind of burst of confidence. And listen to this. Are you ready for this? Fourth try, I popped up and I was cruising around the lake. And I mean, it was good. Once I got up, I felt comfortable and I felt in control and I was thinking, here's what I was thinking. I thought, you know what? Everything that he was talking about, apparently that wasn't for me. Because I may need to turn pro in this sport or something. Because fourth try, I'm up cruising around the lake. And I cruised for a while, back and forth. And, and, and the rest of the evening, I had no, trouble, uh, no problem. I was up and I was cruising around. And I mean, I was feeling good about myself. Really good. And I thought, you know what? 
I mean, seriously, this may be something I need to like invest in, become a hobby or whatever. So toward the end of the evening, my friend Dave, he was pulling the boat the entire time. And I said, Dave, why don't you, why don't you strap on the board and, and go for it? And Dave does this all the time and, you know, but I was so confident about myself. So I'm in the back of the boat and I'm watching Dave, somebody else is driving and Dave gets out and Dave gets up and immediately I could tell there was something different between him and me. Um, he was comfortable with it and Dave was awesome. We were two minutes into the boat run and he hit the wake and did a flip. And I mean, it was crazy. And everything that I was feeling so confident about myself and so good about myself was just being deflated right in front of me because Dave was so much better than I was. I mean, he was, I mean, night and day, there was no comparison and everything. I thought I was so good and yet he just made me look terrible. And we, he finally kind of got wore out and the boat slowed down. And as he was crawling back up into the boat, I told him, I said, Dave, I was feeling really good about myself until I saw you out there. And he made this statement to me. And as soon as he said it, I kind of immediately thought about this this morning. He made the statement. He said, well, I've got about 12 years of experience on you. And I thought, wow, it's going to take 12 years to get to that. And I got depressed even more. And, uh, Here's the point. A lot of times, it is easy for us as believers, we get frustrated when we look around in our church or in our relationship and we see that God is doing amazing things with people and we begin to rationalize a way about why it is not us He is doing that with. And the reality is, it's because a lot of us are interested in becoming like I was professionals but not really at something in one try and other people have given their whole life to it daily jesus says take up your cross join the mission with me daily i love i work with youth and i'm going to use a couple examples that are students i love when i begin to see this come alive in young people and there's a girl in our youth ministry. She's about 17 years old. She's a quiet girl. She's shy. Um, you know, not up on stage, not out in front of everybody. And she began in her walk with Christ to understand about what it meant to take up her cross daily. And she began to seek after God's mission for her life. She had a chance to go to Africa a couple years ago. And when she was in Africa, she was working with a missionary. And they were in these remote villages. And they'd go day after day. And these kids, these little kids would come running up to her. And, and every day she started noticing they were wearing the same shirt every single day. And that didn't make a lot of sense to her. And so when they got back, she talked with the missionary and she said, Hey, why, do they only, why are they wearing the same shirt every day? And he said, They only have one shirt. That's what they wear. And you know what? God began to do something. Light came on. She saw the mission that God had for her. And she, she began to pray and think about an opportunity. 16 years old or 17, I think now. 17 years old. And she came back and she talked with the missionary some more. And she said, if you had t-shirts, could you use those out in those villages as a way to begin ministering the gospel? And he said, absolutely I could. She came back to the United States. Several months went by. She's thinking about this. She's putting together a plan. She comes to our youth pastor and she says, I want to collect shirts and send them to Africa. And our youth pastor was like, you know what? That sounds cool. And we kind of got this whole thing going together. And she set a huge goal, 17-year-old girl. She said, I'm going to collect 2,000 shirts, 17 years old. And the youth pastor kind of 
you know, probably shouldn't have, but said, you know what, we're going to do our best, you know, whatever God provides, it'll be good. We may not meet the goal, but that's okay. And she began at, at it. And I'm telling you, all she did was see what God had called her to, and she ran with it. 5,000 t-shirts later, 5,000 t-shirts later, they loaded a container full of t-shirts, amazing, sent them to Africa and they arrived just a couple weeks ago. All of that to say this, God has a plan for you, a mission for you today. Let me challenge two groups of people in here with a big misconception that maybe you have been taught or maybe you've bought into. The younger group, let me tell you something that is a lie, is that God has a plan for you in the future, all right? And he does, but let me be more specific. God doesn't have a plan for you once you get out of high school or once you finally graduate college or once you finally get married and have kids or go to graduate school and get a job and all that kind of stuff. God has a plan for you today. Those of us who are older, here's another misconception. Is that God could have used me yesterday if I would have allowed him and my time is gone. Let me challenge you with this. God, Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. God has a plan for you today. I hope if you're like me, that really encourages me. God has a plan for me today. And thirdly, and finally, in this passage, Jesus talks, and he, and he said to all, in verse 23, if anyone, I love that, because that's all of us in here this morning, would come after me, let him deny himself, if you're taking notes, surrender. Let him take up his cross daily, the idea of mission. And then he ends the statement with this, follow me. I wrote the word pursuit down. Pursuit. Let me tell you, I did a lot of study this week uh, on follow me. And everywhere it's used in the New Testament, it means follow me. Okay, there's nothing complicated about this one. Uh, I was going to try to really elaborate on this, and I realized, you know what? There's nothing more to be said than what Jesus says. He says, follow him. Now again, this is opposite of what maybe you're being told. You're being told to lead others. You're being told to be the number one. You're being told to climb the ladder. And Jesus says, if you're going to connect with me, I need a bunch of followers, not leaders. I need followers. I wrote the idea of pursuit down. And this is what I would challenge you with this morning. Don't spend your life or any of your time following or pursuing after things that are going to take you nowhere Fast, And we'll explain this a little bit, but don't spend your life following after things that will lead you nowhere and ultimately leave you disappointed and empty. A few years ago now, we were in Destin for vacation, Destin, Florida, and we rented a pontoon boat. And uh, we go out in Destin. If you've ever been to Destin, it's beautiful. It's like paradise. I grew up there and then I moved away. And I always wonder why I moved away from it for because it's so awesome. But uh, we're in Destin and we're cruising around in our pontoon boat. And I'm telling you guys, the water, it's like, it's amazing. It's green and blue and it's clear. And you can see everything. And the dolphins are jumping and stingrays are swimming. And it's like, I mean, it's like some fairy tale. You know what I'm saying? And we're out there cruising around. And I can't remember what group of family we were with, if it was when we do it in September or, or with Dennis, and I think it was with Dennis. And uh, we were out on the pontoon boat, 
And we were looking at stuff. And finally, we saw something in the distance, big and black in the water. And this was very different than what we had been seeing, dolphins and all this kind of stuff. And we started, and we had to know what that was. That was amazing. We started, we started cruising toward it in the pontoon boats really slow. You know, pontoon boats don't go very fast. And so we're cruising toward it. And finally, we get up to this thing, and boom, right under the boat, we missed it. So we did a big circle around, I mean, right under the boat. We came back around, big black thing in the water, couldn't make it out. Came right up to it, boom, this time comes right down the other side of the boat. I mean, by this time, we are really intrigued about what is under the water. And we did this two or three more times. Spun around, goes under the boat, could not figure it out. Finally, we had an idea. We had a mask and a snorkel. And somebody decided we were going to come up to this thing really slowly. And somebody was brave enough to stick their face down in the water. And we approached this. And we'd been chasing it probably for about 15 or 20 minutes. And we approach it very slowly and somebody ducks their head down and they're down there and they're holding their breath and we cruise and sure enough it goes right under the boat again. And they come up and here's what they say. They said, it was a rock. And I said, are you kidding me? No, that's impossible. The ro- it, it, was, it, it, it was, we were chasing it and it was going under the boat. And the reality was it wasn't moving, we were. And for the last half hour, we had been out doing figure eights in the water around a rock. We had pursued hard after something that was going nowhere fast and had left us disappointed in the end. And all of you, and myself included, we can look at things in our life, relationships, careers, whatever it is, that idea of surrender, it's taken the place of Jesus, and we have hitched our wagon to it and we are following something fast that ultimately is going to end up bad for us and it's going to take us away from connection with jesus again every now and then i get a glimpse of this in some of our students lives and there's a guy in my small group and he i could just tell over the last year god had been working in him and his relationship with jesus had been strengthening and finally, I got this text message at 7.17 in the morning, one Monday morning. I don't like getting text messages at 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I picked up my phone, and honestly, one of the best text messages I've ever had. And I'll read it to you. He said, I'm going to quote it. He said, Dan, for the first time ever, I talked to God for real. I never realized how real he is, and it's ridiculous how much he loves us. 7.17 in the morning, one of my small group guys, all of a sudden, pursuing God became real enough in his life that he felt compelled to pound out a text message to me and let me know that he never realized how real God was and how ridiculous his love for us is. His words. Jesus is challenging anyone to connect with him. And he says, surrender yourself. Join me on a fulfilling mission that I have for you today. And just follow me. That's it. Now, all of that to say this, and I'm going to close with this statement. You may be asking yourself, why? Why connect with Jesus? Um, 
you know, it seems good, but the more I read into it, actually, the more uncomfortable it seems. And Jesus, throughout the entire New Testament, if you read, he often appears paradoxical in his teaching. We're, we're being told to be leaders. He says, be followers. We're being told to be number one. And he says, surrender. We're being told it's all about your plan and your idea and your dreams. And he says, take up my cross daily. And it pulls against much of the value system around us. Why in the world would I connect with Jesus? Or why would I want to? And here's the reason why. Because he is presenting in verse 24 a transcendent truth. A transcendent truth. Here's the problem. In our society, we polarize things. We think about things as left or right. You're either a conservative or you're a liberal. And Jesus says, throw all of that garbage out the door. I'm going to tell you something that rises above all of that. It is transcendent. Regardless of your political views or the country you live in or the race you are or how much money you have in the bank, I'm about to tell you something that is going to be different than everything you've been taught. And he answers the question, why connect with me? In verse 24, let's read it. He says, whoever would save his life Or the idea there is whoever would be in control of his own life will lose it. Listen, you can take that statement to the bank. You want it to be all about you? You want the control? You will lose it. But, and this is so awesome and so encouraging, and if you don't hear anything else, walk away this morning with this truth. He says, but... Whoever loses his life, those three things he just talked about in the verse before, surrenders it, joins me on mission, and follows me. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You see, here is the transcendent truth. Are you ready? Connecting with Jesus brings what we all ultimately want at the end of the day. True and abundant life. Many of you and myself were out there searching for the meaning of our existence. And Jesus steps in with the answer. And connecting with Jesus is life-changing and life-giving. Connecting with Jesus is life-changing and life-giving. That is the truth. That is why. He will change your life. And you say, you know what? My life is terrible. Guess what? He will give you life. Maybe you're here this morning and um, the idea of Christianity or when I talk about a believer or when I talk about Jesus, period, that doesn't mean much to you, if anything at all. And maybe this is even the first you've ever heard or you've given any real thought to connecting with Jesus. Listen, I promise you about this, you're not alone. Many are out there and many in here have already come to an understanding that a relationship with Jesus and connecting with Him is life-changing and life-giving. And this morning, you'll have an opportunity, if you want to, to meet Him for the first time. 
And maybe that's you and you're sitting out here and Jesus means nothing to you and Christianity means nothing and church is nothing and I have no idea how you even got here, but God does. And he says, listen, connect with me as Savior. As Lord of your, as Lord of your life, I will change your life and I'll give you life. If that's you and you look back and you realize there's never been a time when you've done that, that is what this service is all about. You can read Luke 9.24 and realize you give your life away Jesus will bring it back to you. Others of you, and maybe most of you out here this morning, you have connected with Jesus as Savior. You look back to a time or a place, and that is a decision and a life-changing moment in your life. And you call Him Lord, and you call Him Savior, and you're trusting in Him and only Him. But Jesus challenges, He's talking to His disciples here, He says, make that connection with me stronger. Give more of your life away and let me have it and I will return it to you in a way you never could imagine. And maybe this morning, believer, Christian brothers, myself included, maybe the response is simply more surrender. God has some of us, but he doesn't have all of us. And Jesus is saying, deny yourself. And you're saying, what is yourself? It's everything. Give it away. Maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit nudged your heart about mission, and you don't have to look far to see mission in action in this church. I think that's a great thing. And you look around at all these people doing these amazing things. They're going to foreign countries, and they're, in, in, uh, they're here in Gulfport, and they're... Uh, meeting disaster relief needs and all of these things and you're wondering why in the world is God not using me for that and the answer is he wants to but you have to join him on his mission not tomorrow or not yesterday but daily it's an ongoing process and Jesus says join me our mission and maybe the Holy Spirit this morning to you is speaking directly about the mission that you know you should be involved in He says, connect with me. Take up your cross and follow me. And finally, a great challenge for all of us this morning is simply to be a better follower and not a better leader. To be a better follower and not a better leader. And you can inventory your own heart and your own mind and your own idea and your own dreams. And you can quickly determine, am I the one that is in control or is Jesus in control? And if the answer is not Jesus, then he quickly throws out that call to follow me. And believer, maybe that's you in here this morning. I've just simply got a purpose in my heart and through the power of the Holy Spirit working in me to follow him like I've not followed him before. That is ultimately what we've come here for this morning, is to respond. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus issues a dynamic and life-changing call and this morning his words are spoken again and he challenges us to come and connect and be a disciple and follow after and surrender and join him on mission that's the challenge for us this morning let's stand for prayer Lord, your word 
has gone out this morning and we claim the promise in your scripture that it will not return empty. And God, everyone here, myself included, is here for a reason and has an opportunity to respond this morning. Lord, I pray your spirit would be working intently on those that may not know you as Savior. That they would come this morning and they would confess you and they would receive you as Lord. And Lord, maybe for many in here and God myself, we've just been challenged to look at our relationship with you and connect in a different and a greater way. And God, this morning, we claim your promise that the more of our life we give away, the more you will return it back to us. We love you. In Jesus' name.